welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you? Good. How are you today? So much better than the first part. And uh, <laughs> Lance, uh, so this is part two of a two-part interview with Jennifer Carroll and Michelle Kaziba. Michelle Kaziba is a prosecutor in the state of New York, and she's a friend of ours. She's been on Missing Maura Murray. Jennifer Carroll is a podcaster and really just a wonderful human being. She's a life coach, and her father and stepmother were killed by the Golden State Killer. So it was a bit unexpected that Jennifer and Michelle joined us for this conversation, but they did. And I think everybody who contributed in the message boards and um, everybody who was asking the questions, I think they really were pleasantly surprised by how how much information was there and, and Jennifer's energy and how Michelle and Jennifer had this amazing rapport. So... Uh, if you were there for the Get Vocal, you witnessed it firsthand. But if you're listening now, I think you're all going to be in for a treat. And this conversation happened the week that the Golden State Killer pled guilty in court. And so uh, this episode, this live show was very timely uh, when it happened. And so, yeah, it's been a few weeks, but we do think you're really going to like it. And uh, it's, it's mostly, you know, a prosecutor talking with a victim. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Jennifer Carroll has a website, jcarrollcarole.com. You can go there and you can check out her website where she does some team coaching and and life lessons and energy coaching. And she also has a podcast called The Lawyer's Daughter, which is amazing. Um, And just check out her story. Her story is inspirational when it could have been super tragic. And she really came out of this experience an incredible person that you can really learn a lot from. I know we have. It's just it's for the people mm-hmm. at that point. It's not for us. So they yeah. they also said that because we didn't have any any other record, no prelim, mm-hmm. no nothing, that they were going to have to say a little bit more. And because California doesn't have allocution, mm-hmm. so I mean, not where you say right. the whole thing. So he would have been tired, wouldn't he? Would can you imagine him having to allocate all that stuff? We would have been there for a whole week. Um, so so yeah, it, I think I, I didn't even appreciate that seven minutes was a long time, mm-hmm. um, but I did know it. It felt both short and long at yeah. the same time as I stood there. Like, it was crazy. The anticipation, that makes too. a really great point. I mean, like, one of the things that I was thinking yeah. of when I was watching the, the prosecutors doing the recitation of the, of the factual allegations, um, you know, so when I was, when I would take, when I would take um, pleas with, you know, the, uh, the senior ADAs that I worked with on homicide cases, there's, like, this feeling that, you know, you would get. And it would be like this, like, I'm trying to, like, find the best way to describe it, like, almost like the beginning of like an anxiety attack where you get like that tightness in your chest, but it's also a little bit of, of excitement. Then also a little bit of like, could something go wrong? You know, like we've worked so hard for this. What happens if something bad happens? Um, you know, are my victims okay? Um, you know, and just a lot of stuff just, you know, and I remember taking a particular plea, oh God, like probably um, my second year doing homicides um, with a family annihilator. And I just remember standing there and I was jamming my, my thumbnail like into my hand to like keep my hand from, from, from shaking. Cause it was just so many emotions all at once. And, you know, I was, I was watching the past. Does it work? Does it work? It, it doesn't, it does not work. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking, and I'm watching these and I'm watching the prosecutors and I'm like, you know, they're, they're doing like, everyone just did a really, really good job. And then because it was, happy with them doing a good job 
you know, I started thinking about all of you. And then when I saw Jane stand up, it was just like, well, <laughs> these, they're, they're going to be all right. <laughs> well, and those prosecutors work so well mm -hmm. together. They even said, I, I'm using my word for it, but they almost had like a rubric mm -hmm. so that for each crime they could check so that, cause they wanted to hit on theme of their talking, make sure like, uh, this sounds gross, oral copulation, mm -hmm. vaginal, vaginal penetration, anal penetration. Like they had a rubric for all of that to, so they could every time mm -hmm. remind us that stupid, you know, touch my dick crap and all the other things. That's why we've heard it so often is they wanted to make sure we were clear. He's so uncreative. That was probably the worst part of binge watching mm -hmm. this. It was almost the same story with different levels of brutality, but it was almost the same story every damn the other time. thing too is that they have to say certain things and when you do to when you do a plea you have to to say certain things and say it in a certain way so that way you hit every single element of the crime to make sure that it's valid okay. and that it stands up on appeal later on so you know where okay so then that's why they had that that list to make sure this is a one this yeah is so a, i do financial okay. crimes now and i do that all the time because like it's you know you you catch somebody with with 20 um you know forged credit cards that's 20 counts and I have to sit there and need to have like your chart and you need to know what's going on, et cetera. Um, so, you know, it's one thing, you know, you said about everybody working together. Um, you know, that's lawyers have big egos. I always say to everybody, it's like, you know, you just, I can't stand lawyers. I really can't stand lawyers. Um, but one of the biggest cases in, in our history, in true crime history, to see the prosecutors, you know, the, the people who were, you know, on the ground doing all this stuff and then standing up there representing all of you, seeing them doing it right, seeing them doing it in a way that, you know, the ego was put aside, um, you know, the, the ego was put aside, you know, the, the time in the spotlight was put aside. And I really, really felt like this was for the victim. Yeah. I, yeah, I concur. I, I, they, they did, I, as much as they represent the people, I, they took, they took care and that's important. We had had such a pivotal meeting with them in March where, you know, we, we kind of demanded a meeting because things had been kind of all over the place, especially with six jurisdictions. And so it's, I really felt like they heard us and, and um, worked super hard to represent. And I, I do, I, I cannot sing my prosecutor's praises enough. Like I just, she's amazing. And all of them. I mean, all I I know. I feel like I know the Sacramento because I see them all the time. What was the scene like there? Because this didn't happen in a courthouse, right? This was in. It happened at Sac State, where I got my master's degree. Um, apparently, D'Angelo got a degree from there too. So I need to call Sac State and go. All right, we can imbalance the scale here because he may have got a degree, but I did too. Um, it was at Sac State in the Memorial Union. So guess what? We're in the MU. I could see the Hornet store right there. That's their mascot is a hornet. And the thing is, is the venue turned out to be amazingly perfect because if we had to deal with COVID, I mean, I was really dreading being packed in a courtroom, even, even if it was like one seat, if we were trying to pretend like for Delta airlines and there was a middle seat free, it's still an uncomfortable room. And, and we've never ever been in a real courtroom. We've only been in the County jails courtroom. So we, this whole case happened without ever, ever hitting a real courtroom, like in the courthouse. That is so crazy. We want to keep adding up the dystopian. It's like um, uh, Paul Haynes has a quote today out, but I know I had said it too in the courtroom. Like, how ironic is it that he's up there once again with a the goddamn mask? 
because of course, but I did like that we all had masks on. So the, the it was a ballroom, which once I put a ballroom, personally, I was relieved because ballrooms have bathrooms. Um, but it was a ballroom. And then as you come out, and it's because it's a MU, like we're in the Memorial Union, we came out and there's a subway for students. They used the subway to make our lunches, which was a good call because one thing about subway sandwiches, it's rare that it's going to cause you to need the bathroom. And that was like, that's a consideration. I ate rice the night before because our insides were a wrap. I mean, I, I know the lawyers and I know Cheryl Temple didn't even sleep that night. I don't think Sunday night because she was a wreck like that. I mean, a wreck preparing, but she was, you know, you're wired. You're just pumped. So we had Subway sandwiches. That was just like we just walked out in the sandwich there. Some people could eat outside. They kept the media away mm. from us in a good way. So we could either approach the media in the back of the room if we felt inclined or a lot of the TV crew people were outside. And thankfully, they weren't allowed to chase us like we just we could decide to go out there which was a really good way to do it because honestly i had to try to eat and by the way anybody who's ever suffering any anxiety the answer is lays potato chips they are there that's the go-to food man that salt hits your tongue and you, you kind of come back um so i was able to get some food before i had to go out and talk to them because i really needed to just have a moment you know to breathe and the space was perfect it, it was big we it was weird because they had on my left was all law enforcement, investigators, Larry Poole, Paul Holes, but not just the names you know, a lot of the names you don't know, they were all there, a shit ton of deputies. Like, I don't know what they were expecting, but we had deputies up the yin yang. And then, um, and then we were able to be screened. And then the stage, I didn't expect he'd be facing us, which was as gross as it was, a bit of a relief because we really thought, God, are we just going to be looking at the back of that stupid head the whole time? And in fact, no. In, in fact, it was easier for me to look at him. Like, I looked to the lectern. So he was directly in front of me, like maybe 20 feet. He was close. If I was going to vomit, I could have hit him. I was, and that was my plan. That was tech. That was my plan. Is that if it comes, it's going to go there. Um, I could be up there in a second. Just, I was, yeah, Jane was a little tiny bit behind me. So that's how close. And she looked in it. You saw how fast she got up there. So then, but I leaned towards the lectern. It was actually easier for me to see D'Angelo or to watch that god awful whatever on the big, we have big screen projectors, which you guys mm -hmm. maybe could have seen. So we could see it that way. And I actually preferred looking over there mm -hmm. than to be that close. So it was, and then all the survivors were to my right, either a little bit in front of me, like Beth Snelling was right in the, God, she was right in front, but she was right in front of the judge. So a little mm -hmm. bit over to the left. And then the majorities were in front of me. Mr. Harrington was directly in front of me. Deb was right kind of behind me. But the, we were kind of like the murder people. Interestingly, um, Shelly Cruz was kind of a little more in the back, which was, I don't know why they put her back there. Maybe because she had more people. I'm not sure. I only had myself. So it was, you know, there were a, a, kind of near the front. There were just a, a few of us. But it was, it was, it was a really good space. And when we took breaks, we all violated COVID rules because so many of us hadn't seen each other. So we were hugging. We kept, I kept my mask on because of the HVAC. I'm like, oh my God, there's so much LA and Arizona and stuff in here and people from the media and people who had flown on planes. I'm like, oh, so I'm just waiting to get the call that we were all exposed. I, I want to um, not let the comment pass that you just said about everyone was wearing masks in who were there looking at D'Angelo I can't like I know that COVID-19 is a terrible thing but how poetic is that that he 
he stalked people and he terrorized people with a mask and his his come to terms here his his like his moment of 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 like justice is right here all the people that are are alive that he terrorized and have residual effects of this are all wearing masks looking at him like that is i have the chills like that is unbelievable to me that the universe works like this isn't that you know i'm with you i'm like hey coming out from the back there i don't want anybody to die or anything but i'm like pandemic (laughs) for the win on this one who would have known because we got a great space i was terrified to be in a courtroom we had a great space it did not it just if you had to sit there through that Unless I had my lawn chair, it couldn't be any better. Like, we were so, it was comfortable. It was good. The temperature was right. Like, all those things were, all those variables mm-hmm. that can make you so miserable uh, were not in food. play. So, yeah, you're right. Like, I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's looking at all Unbelievable. I so saw, amazing. I uh, saw that Paul James quote on Twitter. And I, like, when I read it, yeah. it, like, hit me. And I was, oh, my God. It what was is like that. Quote? It was. That he was, Jen, you might remember it better so, than me. Yeah, he said, how how ironic is it that the man who wore a mask to commit all his crimes today has to wear a yeah. mask? Ah, I see. That's that's nice. Oh, that is, like that that. is very Paul Holes of him. And that, <laughs> Haynes. Oh, Paul Haynes. Haynes. No, Paul Haynes. <laughs> Paul Haynes from McNamara's book. Right. Yeah. The writer. Yeah. I mean, the research writer. So it is Boeb. And it. And it's not, and, and, you know, we talked about that definitely was that we were all talking about in the room and he wasn't, I don't believe he was in the room. And so, um, but, but it's, he said it perfectly because that's really it, you know, unmasking a killer. How ironic. I love this. To see through. There was- I love this. Like, he's got a mask that's see-through. All of you have masks that he can't see through the iron. It, like, it's too good. It's too good. Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't want to get got there. one point here. Uh Chris Duet had a question here. Did D'Angelo ever do anything that stood out to you, uh, Jen? Uh, a look, a reaction, or anything like that? Hey Chris. Um Chris wants it to be good because Chris likes stuff that's really good like that. Um, you know, there wasn't he he did definitely shift his posture mm-hmm. when Jane approached. He there was a moment I didn't you guys that streamed could hear it better than us. There was a moment well, okay, here's the thing I Okay, this is a Chris one, because now anybody who's super pathological can go back and look at the tape. I don't believe D'Angelo drank water in public once. And the reason I think that's significant, well, first of all, everybody was drinking water because it's dry and everything. But I think that's significant because I think it really speaks to how well he's able to go into that torpor. And if you don't know the word torpor, go look it up. It's a great word. It has to do with hummingbirds and that rest state that they can do where they're not awake or asleep but they go into a torpor and that's what I felt like he was in because that's why he couldn't say guilty or I admit he literally wasn't listening. And that's why I wanted to go up and say, show some respect just to the judge, like sit up and pay attention. Uh, I I don't know, Michelle, if if defense attorneys ever do kick their clients, but he, I felt like he owed the process more respect, but he wasn't listening. So I think Mr. Kress was literally, I'm like, does he have like two flashcards up there? Just going, okay, this one's a guilty. This one's an I admit. Because it just felt like Mr. Kress, who I feel so sorry for, that thing went on forever, was like just pointing my to heart, the two answers. My heart time. stopped he every listening. time the judge finished with a charge. And then there was like that pause. And I was just like, oh my God, you better say it. Or the, <laughs> and just like over, and like even even though like this was all day and you, like you were saying before, you binge watch this whole thing. Um, you know, you, you still like your, 
your your heart's going to stop every time. It's like, is he going to say no? Is he going to say I don't admit? Like, what's he going to say? And I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and I'm like, you better admit it, you bastard. You better admit it. Um, but, you know, to what you said before, I've never seen, I've, I've never seen like a, a defense attorney like kick their client under the table or anything, but I've been in front of some judges that have given like a severe dressing down to, to the defendants. And that's, that's, I really wanted Bowman to say, just um, sit up, speak clearly. Like this mm -hmm. is a big damn deal, sir including your life, like, come on. And your daughters are maybe watching. Like, Yeah, but at the same time, you owe at the same time, the judge, looking at it from his yeah. point of view, he doesn't want to be looked at as like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking sides. I'm bullying him. Um, you know, he has to, he has to make oh, sure that, fair, that his fair. portion of the record is very clear. And, you know, the judge presented very well. He presented as very impartial. He was in charge of that courtroom. Um, he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew what was, you know, what his, you know, his role was and how things were going to go. And let me tell you, you might not believe it, but like I've been in courtrooms that have just been absolute chaos and it's so nerve wracking. And if you don't have if you know, behind every good judge is like in New York, we call them like the law secretaries, like their, their, their main law clerk. So like behind every good judge has to be an even better law clerk. And those are the people that are that are making sure that like all this stuff is set. They're checking the the charges. Do we have the right subsection? Do we have the right this, the right that? Calling the prosecutors. Okay, you're gonna show up at this time. This is what we're gonna do. Yeah, he even noticed the mm -hmm. date discrepancies. That judge was like, wait, wait, wait. Was that the eleventh or the tenth? And mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, what? That's not. That wasn't even the most important thing that just in got it said. because he, he wants a clear record. He needs a clear record because even though even though D'Angelo pled guilty, if I had a dollar for every time I had a defendant who pled guilty and then turned around and was like, I'm going to I waive my right to appeal. But you know what? I'm gonna file that appeal. And then you, you go into this whole, you know, long thing of appeals, this, that and the other, even though they knowingly, voluntarily and intelligently waived their right to appeal, which I'm sure the judge went through with him as well. And that's actually something that when I was watching at the beginning, um, and I was, it was listening to to the way that he was, the way that the judge was was talking to him, and he was going through all of those main things that you need to have down on a on a, a record yeah. to make sure that D'Angelo knew that he was there, this was happening. He's doing it of his own free will because if he turns around and says, "Oh, you know, I was under the influence," you know, my somebody bullied me, um, I was yes. threatened or coerced. You have that record now where he's saying on the on the record, yes, I know what's happening and yes, I'm agreeing to do it. So he doesn't have a shot at Yeah, no meds. That's in no every meds, plea allocution. No Even the ones like if I take if I take one for like a small like a you know a say like a forged instrument crime or something, the judge will go through the same thing. You know, are you are you, you know, pleading guilty because you want to plead guilty? Are you under the influence of any medication or alcohol, et cetera? The whole nine yards. It's the same thing for every plea. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
So Michelle, they told us the only thing that could be at risk between now and sentencing is potentially a habeas issue. What would that be? In what that general, mean? habeas is when, you know, they want, when the defense attorney petitions the court to release the, the body of the defendant. Like literally, like, let me get out of jail. Let me get out of prison. Um, and, you know, it could be, and this is just me spitballing okay. because of, you know, the, just knowing the kind of like time that we're living in now, you know, it, it could be that, you know, he's, he's an old, old man and, you know, he can't be in that prison anymore. Why don't you let him out pending sentence? Where's he going to go? He's an old man in a wheelchair. Um, you know, he wants to come out so that way he can, you know, make peace with his family or, or something like that. Like, again, I'm just spitballing. I'm not sure, but habeas is when, is when a defense attorney um, petitions the court to release the body from it, it doesn't that literally translate to doesn't habeas corpus literally translate to show the body yeah it's something like that i haven't that's we're going back like 11 years to law school <laughs> I, never did, I never did habeas petitions in um when i when i worked in in appeals um but they're very complicated i did i i, I just i just binged it i just looked on bing yeah got a bing yeah Okay, good. Um, I, uh, let's see. Uh, Jason had a point here. He said, throw his ass in old Sparky and let him ride the Thunderbolt, which would make an amazing T-shirt. But what do you feel about that? Do you think, like, we there's stuff to be learned from his mind, from his, like, rotten mind? Or should we should we just Fuck let it end? this guy. I, I, I bit my lip about this, but this guy ain't saying shit. He's a fucking piece of shit. Go to hell. Honestly, that's why I want him in Gen Pop so bad because nobody's mm. held a mirror up to him and said this is that mm. he doesn't. I don't. It's like he doesn't even understand what a piece of shit he is. I'm like, oh well, you need to go meet your peers. You haven't met your crew yet. They're all waiting for you in Gen Pop. Let's have you meet the people like you, because he's been spared the people like him, and I would like mm. him to be afraid. And I'm so pissed he won't be in general population. I don't know what that rule's about. It, it just pisses me off because he's going to go in protective custody because he's a, I'm going to call it a VIP, but whatever that is that puts him in protective custody and, and he still is not seeing mm -hmm. his reflection in the mirror. And I want him to walk up on one of these guys that's killed a lot of other people and be like, oh, this is scary. Oh, yeah. And they don't have small apparatus. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say, uh, Tim might be able to tell us a thing or two about about Whitey Bulger and you know how how he <laughs> oh, uh, met his, met his end. You know, I was thinking, it's like you never know. A Whitey could happen to a Whitey Bulger could happen to anybody. I got, I, I got a little nervous because Jen just said small apparatus, and the next thing you said was Tim might be able to. And I was like, Jesus, Michelle, this isn't Mike Morford's show. <laughs> I think it's great that uh that people had a little bit of fun with him in in court um and I think we've had some fun with that on social in the past with his micro dick um I think that's great to be honest um, that you can make fun of him like that, and it's fun. He's a piece of shit, you know. He can go fuck himself. I don't know. I, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say something else, like, oh, maybe, maybe, be, you know, he's he's an asshole. Like this has something to do with why he's such an asshole. But you know what? He's just a fucking dickhead. Right. I mean, you can learn about him 
I guess, uh, like, what, what, what could you learn about him? Could you, like, psychoanalyze him? Could there be anybody who could go in there and... Well, it's super frustrating because they had a, apparently a killer criminologist. Because I, what we never got was that, um, you know, that real profiler. I know the FBI did some, but they didn't have him, and we never got that real profiler look that we all feed off of when we watch our Criminal Mind shows and stuff. And so it turns out they had a person, four hundred dollars an hour. So I got to find out. That's that's the job to be in, four hundred dollars an hour. And my DA said, or my prosecutor said, you know. We really wanted to do it, but at the point we realized where it was going, we're like, we're not spending that money. And I go, that's okay. It's my money, taxpayer money. I, I get it. I get it. But maybe tell me who it was later after sentencing. Maybe I can get an interview because we didn't get that. We didn't get that really good understanding of the mentality. We got sadist, but we didn't really understand. Is it narcissism oh, driving him? Is he borderline? Is he, <clears throat> he tries to throw out Jerry like he has an altar, except most altars don't show up at when you're arrested they tend to show up you know that's not how it works so if you just go i just got rid of jerry um no that's called the nervous oh yeah this is this is the dark triad that uh that we we've been exploring with our colleagues at la not so confidential dr shiloh and dr scott he's got the perfect combination of machiavellianism uh, narcissism and he's a psychopath and he's playing a game and and he knows that he's playing a game when he's there in court and he's like oh I don't know what what am I supposed to say what am I supposed to say? okay I'll say this and and he'll and and the only thing that'll come from any sort of psychoanalysis is I guess maybe him him playing around with whoever's interviewing him and not getting any answers right and just he would just want to waste their time it's like it's like that the the scene in uh, Silence of the Lambs. Like I think he sees himself as this Hannibal Lecter character, where he's just going to toy with somebody and toy with somebody and toy with somebody, and then tell them just like, okay, now you can go away. I've 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 toyed with you enough. But he's useless. He won't he won't say anything though. No, no. I mean, exactly. That that even might that that might be his his ploy right there too. Is like his play might just be. I'm going to sit here for an hour and a half while you guys ask me questions and I'll, I'll simply ask to use the restroom and then you guys can analyze that for 20 years. I couldn't imagine being his being related to him. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that's your I dad? I feel bad for them. I feel really bad for his family. You know, I, I feel like maybe they would actually be able to shed some light on his uh, psyche more than he could because he's obviously not saying anything. There you go. There you go. Yeah, the people who knew him. Right, and James Huddle's book is out and I feel comfortable I, I haven't read it yet i feel comfortable saying though like that like it's okay to give him money like that's okay from what i've heard he's a really decent guy and he was really just trying to provide the victims with a little more information to help us understand what we had didn't get to see so if you're if you've been considering the huddle book it's not a big read tons of people have read it already this week and have said you know it's a little light but it's tim just ordered it I don't feel bad. Yeah. What's that called? Right. I think he'll, yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll, I'm hoping yeah. so, he's still supporting the girls is what I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. And whatever that means, even emotionally. James Huddle. Oh, okay. I don't know. James Huddle is his name. It's Sharon's brother. Apparently they don't talk anymore. They don't oh, okay. talk. So that kind of speaks to his character. Kind of like that. Um, so he doesn't talk to Sharon, but he, but he did, he does provide some, mm -hmm some some little nuggets that i think people might find interesting and what i love about this crowd 
is y'all then go map the dates he's talking about things <laughs> and go, wait a minute. Because one of the things somebody figured out, like it was right, he, he went and raped and, and raped right before he went to a wedding. What? Because I guess that's what you do before a wedding. So that's, yeah. James said he came to his, somebody's wedding. I don't, I haven't, like I said, I don't have the book, but there's a scene where, or a description of where the, he, uh, D'Angelo was supposed to be going to a wedding. But if you look at the crime roster, he went and crimed and then went to the wedding. You know what that means? It's just, it, that, that means that it, it wasn't a big deal to him. It was like, I got, I'm going to this wedding, but, oh, that's right. I need milk and eggs. Oh, yeah. Or like when your dad's like, I'm going to go hit a bucket of balls before we go to church. You know, like, what? Like, okay. I mean, I get it. Like, but I mean, Jesus. yeah, you're right. It just I mean, simple. Do you, do you feel like if you don't, like not having him sit there and be psychoanalyzed and telling you all the things that, that you want to know and that you want to know for everybody else, do you feel like, like that's still a bit of a hold on you or... Do you think that that's something that maybe in time is going to be a, less of a of a hold? Because I agree with Lance. I don't think this is a person who's ever going to tell anybody exactly what they want to know or what they want to hear because there's still that little bit of power being derived from, you know, there's little details that I know that nobody else will. Um, but, you know, just to, to see the the way that you all reacted and and had, you know, this moment in court, you know, I would hate to see you know, on as a, you know, not as a, a lawyer, just as a human being. And, you know, just as, as somebody in this community, I, I'd want to see you all, you know, move on to these, you know, these next stages of your life without this monster having a hold on you. I, I got a really, really sweet message from a friend today who knows me since nursery school, if that's possible. And um, nursery school is like four years old. But she, her son committed suicide when he was 16. And she said, Jenny, I'm so afraid you're not going to know why your dad and Charlene were chosen the mm -hmm. same way I don't know why my son killed himself. And I said, I never would have thought of it like that because I feel so bad she doesn't know the why. And I'm like, but I'm literally mm -hmm. the same. It's just the same. When you don't know why mm -hmm. your people are dead, like why they were chosen, it's just this. And, and, I, and I'm okay living with it because I, I realize I'm not going to know. It's just something I'm not going to know. But I, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I realized how many people out there live with that mm -hmm. lack of knowing. But the thing is, the reality is, especially when I think of mothers who've lost children to suicide or fathers who've lost children to suicide or friends or any of us, we just don't know. And so it's, it's mm -hmm. kind of just like wow. that. Like, but why, why, why? If you, if you're going to keep asking why you're going to, screw yourself over and 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 my friend's been really brave instead she turned it out she does a lot of work with um helping kids and parents with suicide which is exactly what i think the survivors of this crime really want to do for the most part almost everybody's looking for a way one woman i know just quit her six-figure job her mother was the victim but she's changed her whole life she wants to begin advocacy i'm really interested in figuring out how to how to how to somehow find one of the things that's interesting about this is this is a white mm. crime. Like, let's just name it, guys. It's white people, white crime. I didn't see any people of color even in the damn room on Monday. That's something I often look for because I care about what, what I think is true is that the Floyd family and my family in a many ways mm. know the same pain. Our story doesn't belong to us. It got away from us. I mean, his is his 
so much more tragic because he's literally we're literally watching him be killed right but the but the idea behind it is that the people of color aren't in this true crime thing they're not included they don't join i really interested as i look to what i can do in the future i'm really interested not speaking on behalf of black people but somehow bringing the voices together and us starting to not see this in terms of skin color, but to realize there's a whole freaking bunch of us in pain and, and we can reimagine what we want our culture to be right now in all of our countries. And we can start to change this, but we've got to be open to seeing the pain in everyone and listening to that pain and then helping each other build a world where maybe this crap. Holy shit. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just making I, that's why I sit in my chair and think you're, about. You're, you're totally right. Yeah, can't even follow up on that. That is just beautiful state. Yeah, exactly. Shannon is floored. Yeah, that is unbelievable coming from coming from like your background. You know, just what you've taken from from the tragedy that's happened to you, and you've applied it to you've applied it to all of this. Like, it's unbelievable to me. It's important. I, I, I'm going to seek out. I don't know how hard it's going to be. Oh, but, but I'm going to seek out. There are some mothers of survivors even here. I think Helena mm-hmm. Castile in Sacramento, who we have a black death of a child. And I want to talk to some of these other, especially people of color, because it's time that this true crime stops. If you guys think even on the damn TV shows, they're not using people of color. Like this is enough that, Crime is happening to them way more than us. I'm not that special. Honestly, there's a lot more crime going on. We were an anomaly. That's what bugs me. We're the anomaly. But in fact, in in for other ethnic groups, this is bullshit. I mean, I'm just... So we've got to somehow unify these voices and we've got to stop this where it becomes this period interest from white women in particular. But so every white person on this call, I want you to just be aware. If you can just start to think about people of color and their stories, that's just, that's like, if I can get that much to happen, we're starting to create change. All of us, every damn Absolutely. <laughs> I got nothing else to say. Oh <laughs> no, you're, you are right. I mean, Sorry. people, you know, jam, it, man. it's not about, it's not about what you look like or where you're from. It's about being united in pain and working towards that change that's going to benefit everyone. Yes, the human human experience. That's right. 100%. 100 million percent. Our humanity is, yeah, that's, uh, our humanity is what's mattered. We've lost it somewhere in the last eight, four years. I mean, we've just gotten confused. It's been a little longer in coming, but it's time to get it back. And it doesn't know skin color. Just like COVID, Mm. it's the same. Skin color don't matter. It's how well we take care of each other. So that's that's kind of my own personal little agenda. And I hope my audience can take the pivot. So I'm going to do it gently because I know it's going to be people. If you're having an issue with somebody of color, with somebody of color telling their story, I'm going to ask you to just think a little bit about what's going on because that that's the consciousness I want. I just want you to even be aware that you're like, wait, what? Wait, that's weird for me or that feels uncomfortable. Just that is huge. So... Like I said, baby steps, baby steps, but let's try the little pivot. And then I'll be appealing to all my true crime, fellow true crime fans and pe- podcasters and everything else to, to also walk to the ends of the earth for Jen Carroll any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, well said, Jen Carroll. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. And thank you, Michelle, for joining us tonight. Thank you, Mike Morford. 
And thank you, everybody in the chat room, everybody who's listening now. We really appreciate the conversation. What a great chat tonight. I love it when we don't even have to chime in, Lance. Those are my favorite, <laughs> to be honest. It really raises it really raises the intelligence level, doesn't it? <laughs> but no, you're 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 so right. Like this 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 discussion really went like to a point. Like it it was you you had the moments of of like uh, poetic justice and spiritualism and and then just like social justice, like and social change. And it's amazing that we can we can talk about this and and just in just over an hour we can go from Golden State Killer to listen. Everybody just needs to be more aware of your fellow person, your your fellow neighbor, your you know your brothers and sisters out there. You know, just be more aware and care about them. And and it all comes from a tragedy that you're turning into something positive. It's amazing. Well, thank you guys for letting us talk about this. I mean, it's just, like I said, baby steps, but we'll start. Let's start. Yeah. Let's all start. Like, this is important. This is where we can all, we all have a vehicle to make change. Let's all just sign up to do that. I think it'll, I think we can do it. You've dropped so many iconic lines during this, this broadcast. I mean, everything from small penises to we need to make change. I love it. Honestly, like the best line ever on get vocal was you saying you don't know why women you don't know why men trust women with with their penises that is the best line that's been spoken here i just yeah well got everybody's attention with that one tonight shannon's drinking straight from the bottle now (laughs) (laughs) amazing oh my god i love it good stuff yeah well thank you everybody what a great night thank you platform for letting us come on here to talk and share and co-opt or get vocal i just i I have a real quick story i'm so i felt so bad jen i my google auto filled in your name when i first emailed you to jenny and i didn't realize that it said jenny and then i felt so bad i texted tim and i'm like i just fucking called her jenny and and twice in that email i was like thanks jenny and then I looked at the email back and I'm like, ah, oh, God damn it. So I just want to apologize here. I did not mean to go. It's perfectly fine. Jenny Smith is who was the victim. So I was Jenny Smith at the time. Jenny's the only other name that I answer to is Henny Squid, which is my nickname. And if somebody's calling me Squid, I know they're from Ventura because that, because my loud mouth <laughs> friend told everybody that was my nickname. So, okay, yes, good. I don't mind Jenny yeah. at all. <laughs> I felt I terrible. At all. Lance is still a jerk about it. No. That was funny. It actually made me laugh. It was in the middle of everything, too, when I got it, and it made me laugh. I'm like, oh, my God, he's worried about calling me Jenny? Are you kidding me? That's, like, nothing. That's nothing. Okay, good. I feel better. Well, wonderful. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much.